This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Book Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast covering all things Ipswich Town since 2015. My name is Mikey Penty-Smith and you're joining me for the final flagship show of 2021. And I'm, today I'm joined by Joe Fares and Craig Fimbo. Joe, are you uh, is COVID testing negative for Joe Fares yet? No, still testing positive at the moment, which means I'll be here for another few days whilst my family are sunning it up in Madeira and I'm just... At home on my own. I mean, Craig, you're uh, testing negative and staying negative, I gather. Towards the that's ECB, it. at least. Yeah, that's it, mate. Negative towards England cricket, but positive towards Ipswich Town. Yeah, it's a nice, unusual position to be in, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, one of them well, is. The, yeah. yeah, one of them is. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely stuff. And uh, Craig, you were at the game yesterday and you're still in complete bemusement as to who the man in the yellow shoes is. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And I'm glad you're going to give us this hour to, to try and work out who it is. Yeah. You crack the case. Yeah. Going yellow, yellow shoes, yellow shoes, bald guy, yellow shoes, camel skin coat. We need to find out who he is. I've, we need, I've we need to get a picture now. tweeted from the um, Blue Monday account in the wake yeah. of this pod as well. Yeah. I've asked Phil, though, TWTD. He's not sure. He thinks, like I do, that it's a sports psychologist of some description. So we, we shall see. He's been around for a little while and he's always sitting behind the dugout as well. So he's, yeah. <laughs> He's on the pitch, but don't know who he is. The mystery goes on. We'll move into the news, swiftly into the news. And unfortunately, we found out today that the Lincoln game on New Year's Day is being postponed. Not exactly a huge surprise, that one, Craig, but frustrating all the same. God, it is frustrating. Well, it is a surprise considering Kieran McKenna pretty much said it was going to, well, he was pretty confident it was going to be on in his post-match um, comments yesterday, wasn't he? But I think, you know, reading between the lines leading up to the match, we pretty much thought it was going to get called off. And then you look at where Lincoln find themselves in the form table and 
having just lost at home to Milton Keynes and seeing games at Rotherham away and Ipswich away in the space of four days, it probably isn't a huge shock to anyone that they've uh, managed to call both off. We don't know. You know, you can only take things at face value. And if, you know, if they say they haven't got enough players, they haven't got enough players. I know Joe said that they don't have a reserve team. So this is going to be slightly more affected by it than, than other clubs who do have a, you know, another raft of senior players behind the first team squad. But it's just disappointing, isn't it? You know, that, well, I suppose it is. I heard McMill say on the way home that he isn't that fast and he quite likes the fact that McKenna's going to get even more time on the coaching field with the guys, um, you know, for when the when the games do start again, which is which is fair enough. You can see it both ways. But I think just from a fan's perspective, you know, we've had one game in 20 days over the, would have been one game in 20 days over the whole Christmas and, and New Year um, mm. period. And it's when... People like to go to matches. It's when crowds are at their highest, when people... Especially from, with pack-out PR. Yeah, when people yeah. from further afield come back to see the family at Christmas and bits and pieces like that and, and taking the chance to go and see games and bits and pieces. It's just a shame that um, it hasn't had to happen, especially on the back of the result yesterday. But it is what it is. We're not the only guys in this boat, are we? Not being affected by it. No. And, yeah, maybe it's a good thing we're out of the FA Cup as well because make it easier to... To find a date, won't it? Although I suppose, yeah, that FA Cup date has already been taken up by the Gillingham game, hasn't it? So yeah, I think <laughs> actually it straws there a little bit. Yeah, I've, 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 I did have a quick look. I think for the first two weeks of January, we've only got that one game, and then the second two weeks of January, they've got four. And but March looks pretty empty. There's, there's, there aren't any midweek ga- any midweek games in March currently. There's just one it's on each. Shame we of the didn't weekend. have the um, earlier notice because we could have pulled forward the Wimbledon game to saturday because i know they're very keen to play aren't they they wrote the letter to the afl about yeah. the sort of transparency being shown and they've lost big crowds if if we had a few more days notice and we could have been playing wimbledon on saturday i think they'd have been happy with that a full house at their place big big gate receipts coming through the door and going from there but as it is their game against plymouth is cancelled we're cancelled i say it just seems like without sort of pointing fingers at individual clubs it, it does seem that certain clubs are just using this to to just cancel some games that they don't particularly want to play, but it's it just seems a short-sightedness of it. It's like, you do realise that these games do need to be fitted in before the end of the season now. It's, it's not like they're going to disappear. You're now going to have a week later in the season where you might have four games in a week, which is what cost Rotherham their place in the championship last year, that they had like two four-game weeks at the end of the season and just ended up struggling. And I say, because, because we've had the game last night now, I'm, I'm a little bit less concerned, but I'd have felt, all that pressure under McKenna would have just built up and built up and built up. At least there was something just to sort of pop the sort of balloon a little bit yesterday and just sort of bring it bring it down a little bit. And we've had the game, we've got the win, and we can move on and then then look towards the next game from there. Because otherwise, if you, if he'd have been going another ten days without it, that sort of nervous energy that he mentioned in his post match pressure about the players probably trying too hard to impress a new manager in training sometimes, it'd have been a strange one. It would. Next on the agenda, you mentioned Kieran McKenna, is that we were actually given an injury and illness update ahead of the Wickham game. We learned that Rakeem Harper, Carl Edwards and Toto Anciala have had COVID over the festive period and Versant Selina has been struggling with a hamstring injury and illness. Uh, John Nolan is back in training. On the grass. Joe, how refresh- he's back on the grass, yeah. How refreshing was it to have some light shed on these things or you actually was that not something that bothered you about Paul Cook no it, it, it was something that bothered me I'm sure people won't be surprised to find out with on that side of it there but it just seems 
and I know I'm sort of jumping about a little bit here, but even when you look at the sort of post-match press conference after the game yesterday, it just feels like the fans are sort of treated with a little bit more respect with regards to, we're actually, I'm actually going to talk about the game and actually believe that people can understand these things and not just like this, I don't know, that sort of real dated attitude of sort of transparency and you anything you give away is given an advantage to the opponents and, and I'm mm. sure I'm sure certain things are like that but Hayden Colson being out for 12 weeks if you just say he's a couple of months off being fit it's hardly it's hardly a massive deal is it it's not like anyone's game plan is going to change because Hayden Colson's away he's been at Middlesbrough for apparently four four or five weeks so it's not yeah. like people in the game don't know he wasn't there but yet we can't get any update on him it's just uh it just seems unnecessary to me and the thing is, as well, you can, you know, you can keep things quiet. We didn't know that Christian Walton wasn't playing yesterday until the team comes out. So you can still give 80% of the information without telling everybody everything, can't you? Just to keep people in the loop, really. He was, really, he was just sort of showing his flexibility again, wasn't he, McKenna? Because he's shown that he, he likes to be transparent, but he also, when it will benefit him, will hold something back. and Because it would have made a, a big difference to how, well, maybe not a huge difference, but it definitely would have given... Wickham extra incentive to get crosses or balls into the box earlier. They'd have been planning for that if they knew that Ladke was going to be between the sticks. I suppose we don't know when Walton tested positive. They might not have tested yeah. positive till after the presser. Yeah, that is true as well. It's true as well. So staying with McKenna, and he added Fulham's under-23 assistant coach and analyst, Charlie Turnbull, to his staff earlier this week. Are we expecting a few more of these appointments over the coming days and weeks, Craig? Um, I, th- I think they'll take it steadily, but I th- I'd imagine there'll be very similar style um, of appointments, you know, pretty intellectual, educated uh, guys, you know, not wishing to demean anyone who's been here previously, but I'd imagine there's a few more BA ons after the names of the guys who are there in the in the club at the moment than there have been previously. You think, that, you think that they're Bachelor of Arts, do you? <laughs> probably well, be... you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> is, 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 I don't know, I suppose sports science isn't it, is it really? Um, be a B- BSc. But that's it, yeah. Sorry, more than, more than my my B tech in uh, business administration, regardless. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'd, I'd thought it'd be very similar type um, appointments. Um, again, guys that they've worked with previously, whether it, whether it had been passing them at Loughborough or Fulham or uh, or even coaching bad courses. Yeah. And in that article, uh, Craig, I, I've. I've I haven't got the name written down, but there was something in there that t- caught your eye. It was somebody's somebody's job title that you like the look of. Somebody's job title. Yeah, it was the it was like the um, ball striking oh. specialist. Or oh yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, Fulham. He had a he had a part time job as somebody's yeah ball striking specialist. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Just what you need in the professional how, football club. I'd have thought. How the other half live? Yeah, football absolutely. Game. But anyway, as we but as we said on the WhatsApp, you know, it's something that. Alan Judge could have done with poor old fellow as he was scuffing a the umpteenth twenty yard shot towards the advertising hoardings along the grass. TD up for that. Possibly your your final mention of Alan Judge in twenty twenty one, Craig. Maybe. Maybe. Right, let's get into the Wickham match action. And high high flying Wickham came to town without their manager Gareth Ainsworth, who had COVID. I think that that news broke similarly late to the Christian Walter one, so former Ipswich youngster Matt Bloomfield was leading things for Wickham. This was their first match since the 11th of, se- of December, sorry, not since September. So they've, similar to us, a little bit 
undercooked in a period where they would have expect would have been expecting to be playing constantly. Um, we wondered, Joe, whether McKenna would keep a similar team to the one which drew against Sunderland or really switch it up because we don't really know exactly what what his favourite formations are and things like that. And he ended up just going with the former, didn't he, near enough? Yeah, like which I sort of posed a question on Twitter and in the WhatsApp group earlier in the day just saying, do we think, is he going to make a big change? He's going to try and stamp himself on it. But I, I thought probably the right thing to do after how we played at Sunderland, especially in that first half, was to stick with it. But mm. there were some tweaks to the positioning of players in that previously it was sort of Sonny Aluko playing behind Macaulay Bond and James Norwood. But this much this time it was very much Norwood on the left-hand side of a free and Aluko on the right-hand side, especially out of possession. Maybe sort of in possession it drifted around a bit differently, but Norwood had some definite defensive responsibility to do down that left-hand side. So it was it was a tweak rather than a just, just going with the same again effectively. But no, it's good good to see. Were you at all worried, Craig? We've mentioned it already that Haladki was in goal for this one. Were you a little bit worried, especially with the opposition? Well, yeah, exactly that, yeah. But, you know, we can only go by what we've seen previously. And, yeah, he has been a bit flappy and a bit nervous. Um, and, as you say, in, 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 of all the teams, you probably don't want him to be making his comeback in, in League One against it. Probably was going to be Wickham Wanderers. Yeah. You certainly feel a lot more confident if, if Walton had been there because he has on, in the in the main, been a pretty reassuring presence on, on crosses and uh, coming for the ball and bits and pieces like that, hasn't he? But transpired, he wasn't too bad. He wasn't. I'll just quickly run through that team. So it was Ladke, as we mentioned, in gold. Danassian, Edmondson and Wolfend in the back three. Wes Burns was right wing back. Penny left wing back. Morsey and Evans in the middle. And yeah, as Joe, as Joe says, out of possession, Aluko was on the right, Norwood on the left and Bond through the middle. But to me, a lot of the time, it looked like Aluko was sort of playing as part of the midfield three with Norwood a lot closer to Bond. But it's... They were very fluid. They were games yeah. drifting around, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. They were very, very, very fluid, weren't they? And they, as you say, Michael, they both pretty much came a lot narrower, didn't they, when, when, we, had, when we had the ball... Um, yeah. And obviously, more clear, clear tactical plan there, though, wasn't, wasn't yeah. there? Like you could you could see it in action. Yeah, and that, and that similar similar to what Paul could try to do with his with his four at the back and the the wingers is that our wing backs were getting white. They were provi- providing the width, weren't they? They were, and uh, the Wickham team usual sort of formation for them with the back three. Stockdale looked like he'd been well fed over Christmas in goal for Wickham. Uh, Jacobson. That wand of a left foot, Farino, Joseph, and Stewart, the back three. They're Thompson holding in front, and then it's Abita, the left wing back, McCarthy, the right wing back, Wheeler, and the impressive McCleary behind Hanlon, who's up top with Vokes. Um, and the game followed a very different pattern to the one a couple of, well, it was only a few weeks back, wasn't it? Adams Park, where Ipswich actually started like a house on fire. Um, Wickham seemingly allowing our defenders to step out from the back. Wolfenden and Edmondson, we saw quite a lot stepping out from the back. Uh, Burns sat out Morsey, shot over from distance. A few minutes later, we had the ball in the net after some good wing play from Aluko, sat out Bon, but he was just offside. I mean, not I've I saw it live, and you can't, there's only one camera angle, isn't there? But I think, judging by the reaction of most people, it, it, it wasn't even marginal, was it? He looked like he'd gained a few a few yards at least, didn't he? Yeah, I didn't like any, but no one in the crowd really seemed to be complaining either. That's normally what I judge on being in the completely opposite opposite corner. I look over to the lower 
Cobb Old Terrace and they say no one no one seemed to be moaning too much. But as no. you say about <coughs> excuse me, about Wolfen and coming out, he set up that first chance, didn't you, that Morsey had a shot yeah. with because yeah. they seem to be sort of going man for man in midfield and what Evans was very clever at, he he sort of took his man wide and left a gaping hole for Wolf Wolfenden to move into, which you know, which he can do and probably he's been reluctant to do over the previous manager and a half. But um yeah, he was he was getting back into the swing of things yesterday. At one yeah, point, Wolfenden was standing with the ball and just rolling about with underneath his feet. And um, Mick Mills was talking about how he doesn't like that showing off by just standing there rolling the soles of your feet over the ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's too fancy, Dan, for Mick. I'm pretty sure Mick, Mick Mills used to do that sort of thing all the time. <laughs> and maybe he was just sort of prodding the ball instead. It knocks but, you off balance, Mick, apparently, Mick, rolling it with the soles of your feet. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Agree with that personally. I I think you're safer rolling it under your foot. Um, he was he was knocking the mud off of the, off of his long studded uh, Adidas. Is <laughs> using the ball, using that heavy leather ball as traction. That's what he was doing. But Mick Mills, Mick Mills. I mean, we're all far too young to to have seen Mick Mills in his pomp. But he was he was a defender that would get the ball out of his feet, and then he'd scan the pitch, wouldn't he? From the footage that I've seen of him, he's someone that did. Did like to play out from the back, so I'm surprised he didn't approve of that. But I suppose Wolfenden hasn't, when he has stepped out from the back in recent times, ignoring the Wickham game, he has been a little bit clumsy at times. Unfortunately, I'd say in in re- in recent yeah, I, times. Yeah, they've just been out of practice, though, haven't they? I think that mm. that was sort of on show from all the guys who who attempted to do it yesterday and did to you know varying levels of success. Is it they're just out of practice of having to do it during matches, haven't they? They haven't been yeah. permitted, allowed. Um, told to yeah, to I, that was the one thing for me that sort of said at half time, which is very noticeable how much more direct the sort of centre backs were, but without being long ball, it was very vertical the way they sort of played the ball, either passing it or running with the ball, and and it definitely was something we'd worked on. And McKenna spoke about it after the game, and like you said, where Evans pulled the man aside, there was times where it just opened up, and it's like, well, just go. You've you've got cover back here, just go and. It seemed like more once they got into a decent position, there was a lack of maybe a little bit of movement around them to for them to do anything with it. But but all three of them carried the ball sort of 40, 50 yards in, in different times there. And what was actually just sorry, Mike, before you can get on back to the match, talking about the defence is that what's noticeable is that at Wickham free kicks, they had a ridiculously high line, didn't they? They were keeping them well away from our 18 yard box. And that Jack Jacobson had a a free kick down near me in the corner where me and Dave are, a direct free kick, and all three of our centre-halves formed the wall. We didn't have anybody, any of those three were marking their tall players. Edmondson, Donassian and Wolfenden formed formed the wall, of which actually, I think it hit them, actually, um, as it happened. Um, and also we went man for man at corners, which we haven't done for a, a little while. So they, they, they have been working on stuff and changing. And, I, you know, it may be different for the next team we play against. That won't be Wickham Wanderers, so... We won't be quite as high. We won't need all def- our tall defenders at the wall. But it's just good to see that these little little tweaks are being made isn't it, already. Indeed, it is. Yeah, and uh, Macaulay Bond was looking looking back to his best. He very nearly opened the scoring for us. It was another fizzing cross. I think this time from Burns. And Bond is just. He's, I mean, to me, it's looked like he's done everything right. He's got good contact on it. But Stockdale's made a made a really good save. He is a decent decent shot stopper. Um, we finally did get our rewards for a superb first half though on the stroke of half time. Craig, I'll come to you as as you were there. It all came from that Danassian throwing down the right. Yeah, that's right. A lot a lot of our 
attacks in the first half came down that side, didn't they? They came down Burns' side and, and um, Morsey, who's playing, as you said, playing a lot further forward and starting the high press further forward. And he, he got a little bit confused and didn't really know what to do when he got near the box. But in this occasion, he was he was in the box again, wasn't he? The throw from Danassian um, was into Bond, wasn't it? Who cushioned it and, and mm. laid it off to Morsey. He sort of just bumbled into the box. And I think their defender actually knocked it onto Morsey, didn't he? And yeah. it looped towards Stockdale, who parried it. <laughs> it wasn't a classic goal, but it parried it out onto uh, both of Norwood's knees in, and into the uh, into the goal. Um, Norwood hasn't quite got into the realms of chucking himself into the North stand, has he? Um, we may get there <laughs> before the end of the season. Who knows? Um, but it, it was fully deserved from from that first half. It was, it was a really, as you said, Mikey, it's a really good... Um, front foot first half from, from the off from the very very beginning and, and you know a couple of free kicks aside Wickham didn't really um, trouble us too much at all the, the guys at the back were good Wolfenden was getting his foot in that's and winning his winning his headers which is something that you know he's, he's probably being criticised for doing um, the two midfielders were working well we seemed to have a lot of space um, in midfield Morsey was getting forward Burns was playing well Penny yeah, not not quite so much on on the left. Um, Norwood working his socks off um, out wide and, and then getting in the middle. So yeah, no, it was it was a really great performance. You just hoped, a bit like Sunderland, would you have needed more than the one goal on the back of a, a decent first half performance? Yeah, and 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 Joe, how refreshing was it to see us start on the front foot, but then actually be able to maintain it over the course of the first half? We didn't, we never looked wide open, did we? But we always looked looked a threat. Well, it just, I know we're sort of beating the drum about how poorly coached we've looked and I'm sure we're probably going a little bit early saying it, but it, it did feel that whenever a player made a run, there was somebody coming and covering it. I was only watching it on the eye follow, so I can't sort of see how it looked in the ground, but it, it did just feel that we were better organised and it might be partly just due to having three at the back that effectively you've always got that spare man when you when you do that anyway, which I think is something we've missed. But I think Morsey has been someone who's really good at what he does, which is going around and hunting the ball. But when you're sitting and he's the deepest line midfielder and does that, it can pull you open a little bit. And it it seemed the, the swap of roles between sort of Evans being the one that sat deeper and actually read the game well and moved around a bit and Morsey just sort of giving license to get up and, chase the ball around seemed seemed to work a lot better for us it, it meant we had more energy up the pitch but also we didn't look too open at the other end of it so it, it i don't know it just was good and there we had some struggles in there i thought i thought a beater gave wes burns quite a tough time going both ways but burns kept going and kept pushing there but i don't think anyone had a particularly easy game out there but i thought we no. really really did play well yeah and i and i actually felt like the a couple of the players that maybe did struggle in the first half actually came out and improved in the second half. Penny probably being the main example and Haladki was a little less flappy as well. Um, we'll go into the second half and obviously we weren't quite as free-flowing as we were in the first half, but Bon and Norwood um, had half chances early in the second half and they kind of got in behind, but neither of them looked particularly comfortable on their, their left side. Hanlon fired over from close range for Wickham, who were then growing into the game. Chaplin came on for the excellent Aluko. Um, see, Norwood, then it was very obvious that he was playing out on the left once Once Chaplin came on for me. Was, it, was there a, a formation change? Did you see either of you? 
Well, well, when Carol came on, it changed a bit. But we but we'd been quite fluid between the sort of three four three three five two. Hmm. It, I don't know. It was very much in with the ball compared to without the ball. It was more than as opposed to just a straight formation change because without the ball, Norwood and Luca were wide, and with the ball, they sort of dropped around there. So it wasn't a sort of difficult to sort of put it with numbers on the paper effectively. Yeah. So yeah, as you mentioned, Carol Carol came on for Norwood, didn't he? Um, Carol had some, sort of a couple of dodgy early touches, um, but yeah, Norwood, as you mentioned, Craig, n- not really loving the fans at the moment, but he got a standing ovation. He did applaud back, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did, and he had he had an ongoing battle with I think it was Stuart, wasn't he? Stuart, he was, he was yeah. having his having his battle with for the for the whole match. That was a that yeah. was a decent watch, wasn't it? And it works because um, I think Stuart's a, a good League One defender, and yeah. he had quite a quite a bad night really we'll come on to Stuart actually he he came really close well probably should have nicked a point for Wickham in the 88th minute dangerous corner there was a header that which Halabki sort of got a hand to um that was from Vokes and then the contested rebound is fired over by Stuart I don't know whether he realized how much of a good chance it was he just sort of lashed at it but watching it back it actually looked like quite an easy chance to me I don't know, but I, when I watched it back, it seemed the ball sort of sits up a little bit, and there's sort of four or five bodies in between mm. him and the goal. So it was one of those ones, and it might have gone in, but it needed a little bit of luck to go in, even if he'd have struck it well. But mm. it just well, seems he definitely struck it well. Gladke <laughs> was sort of when you sort of see how much pressure Gladke was under, he makes a save, but he's got three people around him in yeah. front of him. It's just yeah. it's almost just like jabbing a hand out to try and keep the ball yeah. out, and yeah, he did a lot so of that's just how we can play. But I thought, I know, I thought Gladke. I thought Haladki did well all game yesterday. There was that one dodgy punch at the start mm. of the half, in the first half, where he sort of he was under no pressure at all and just led to us being under a little bit more pressure. But I thought I thought yeah. he did really well there because I'm sure, as you mentioned earlier, with Craig, I'm sure once fans saw the team sheet and saw the team we were playing, that was a big area of concern. I'm sure Rich yeah, would have been singing his praises. And the thing is, and, and especially for him as well, it's good for him to, you know, because he, he he would have been nervous and apprehensive and certainly coming in against a team like that. And he dealt with the, you know, the corners relatively well. Um, he had a good punch, didn't he? Come, it was in the second half. I think, I don't know if it was a free kick or a corner that Jacobson, yeah, Jacobson swung yeah. right in under the crossbar, didn't yeah. he? And he got two decent decent hands yeah. for that and pushed it and away. And he kicked fairly well as well, didn't he? Because that's yeah, an area of Walton's good. game, which isn't great. He, he yeah, moved he was, the ball. He came out quite quickly a couple of times as well. Yeah, and ultimately, yeah, Hladke has signed a three-year contract in which town, and Christian Walton is on loan. So mm. it's in our interest for Hladke to to do well. And I'd say you speak to any Salford fan or any League Two fan, and they'll tell you how brilliant he was as a keeper. And it's just a case of hopefully he can get some confidence here and push on. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. 
NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Indeed. And before we get to the Twitter questions, there was some late, late drama. It, looked, it actually looked like we were going to, um, we had a couple of almost chances and then Piggott, Piggott replaced Bomb for the last few minutes. And can you talk us through that Morsey run, Joe? Probably the, apart from the goal, the highlight of the game, wasn't it? Yeah, well, Morsey sort of gets a ball in the middle of the pitch and he gives it to Chaplin. And you think Chaplin just like, don't, don't do anything silly with it. Just keep the ball and push on with it. And Chaplin plays this ridiculous for me it looked a really poor ball sort of like a, a 2080 ball against Morsi's favor but Morsi just sort of goes into it like a rhino but manages to pick the ball up and I think the he sort of beats the first man and then it, I think it's scouring against him who's just picked up a yellow card he sort of doesn't know whether to commit or not does he and I think he ends up worrying about pulling him down and getting sent off and going from there and Morsi just sort of keeps going to the edge of the air and he sort of slows down and you think well time to have a shot really but he's got Chaplin to his left and Piggott probably is the ball you should play to the right who's in masses and masses of the room but only gives it to Chaplin Chaplin can't miss you, you see you think you can't miss there and he fires it past the keeper and there's a sort of the great sound from the crowd amazing of, sound isn't it? the sort of celebrating the goal and oh after it and that was <laughs> that's what I was like I was off my sofa at home and then all of a sudden, my head was in my hands because he thought he couldn't miss, but ultimately it didn't make any difference because Wes Byrne got the rebound, took it to the corner, stood on the ball, and then from the from the throw-in, he won. The, the full-time whistle went straight after that, but it would have been nice to cap off that win with another sort of second goal on the break. What actually mm. happened is that Wes Byrne's took it to the corner, their guy fell to the floor holding his head, Yeah, and we won the, we won the throw, and that was... Wickham weren't as bad, but they were still. It was nice to see them moaning at time wasting that someone else was performing on their on their behalf. Because well, there was one good bit of time wasting at the end where Chaplin, the ball was played to Chaplin, but it was offside, and he sees the flag goes up, and then he um, pretends to take a really heavy touch into the corner, yeah. and it goes miles into the corner. But rather than their keeper try and get the ball to hurry up the game, yeah. he goes and moans at the ref about Screams time wasting, and, like, and it's like, mate, you've got like forty seconds to try and find an equaliser here. You've time-wasted in every game all season, ever. For, for the last three, four years, Wickham as a team, they're probably one of the worst worst for it. And rather than actually get on with the game, you're moaning about time-wasting when... Strange. And I don't wish it to come across all you know, high and mighty, but it's not the sort of team you want to be paying good money to go and watch every week. No, is no. It really and they, they've money. got the better of us over the sort of last couple of seasons with regards to league positions, and I wouldn't begrudge them 
a success, but no, it's not a team I'd enjoy watching. They turn every they turn every game into exactly the same sort of game, just a battle. And I say you can hear Mills on the commentary where he just basically says everything they do is just set up just to deliver a ball into the box. Into every the box, yeah. touch is just put back there to knock it long, and it's it is sort of um, percentage football to it's almost to its extreme end of it. I, I don't think you'd get more percentage than they play with regards to just. Everything is just putting your foot through it. And I, I don't like watching it. I, I'm glad we beat, I've beaten them twice this year. I hope we don't have to play them next year. But by day of us going up and I say fair play to them. They've got a tiny budget and they've massively overperformed with it. And they did did well in the championship last year, especially in the second half of it. But no, not for me. Not for you. But yeah, 1-0 one, one, one was how it stayed. Um, we moved within 10 points of Wickham, who dropped down to sixth. Um, table's not really looking any brighter, is it? But uh, just great to finally have a little bit of new manager bounce, eh? Yeah, well, yeah, if we if we hadn't have won, we'd have been what 13 points away from them and yeah. them having a game in hand. So, you know, you could well have been in the realms of definitely, definitely, definitely writing the season off rather than definitely, definitely mm-hmm. writing the season off. Indeed, let's get into the Twitter questions. And FPL Tractor is up first with a James Norwood question. What did you think of Norwood from the left? We have sort of talked about it, haven't we? Uh, what FPL Tractor likes about it, he's keen to and will naturally support Bond, which means that he's less isolated. He definitely looked less isolated last night, didn't he? It does feel like a bit of a round peg in a square hole, but could it work? Well, what he does give you is he works bloody hard, doesn't he? So he'll, and as Joe said earlier about his defensive work, he was doing the defensive work out left and then, you know, busting a gut to get into the middle to to help Bon and then working his arse off to get back out to the left um, to do his defensive work in. The, obviously, the only thing that let him down on a couple of occasions was his his left foot, you know, trying to just bend it round the fullbacks into the path of Bon. He tried it a couple of times. It didn't come off. Well, it's not going to because he's not, you know, a, adept at that position. So, yeah. FPL tracks is exactly right. He probably is a square peg and round hole, but probably the best we've got at the moment because in that particular formation, in that particular role, you probably need someone who's going to work as hard as he did yesterday. And you know, it'd be nice to have Fraser out there, for example. Maybe he's got a got a left foot and maybe a bit more naturally balanced and may may mirror a Luco in that respect, but he's not going to be working as hard as I think sometimes when you've got a free like that though, where you've got sort of a central strike and two on either side. You almost need one that's got this. You need one striker and one midfielder so that they naturally balance themselves out. Because if you end up with like two wingers there who don't have that goal threat, you just end up relying so much on your main striker. So it may be it may be something that works, but it's, I don't know. I don't think long-term James Norwood on sort of the left wing is going to be the, the answer there. But it's, it depends who we're going to look to bring in. Or if yeah. someone like Kyle Edwards, for example, can add some goals and assists to his game because he doesn't seem a natural player that's going to get in the box and score you. Like the, the goal that James Norwood scored last night or the goal that he scored against Sunderland or the goal that he scored against Wigan, these just where the ball drops and you, you're just there to score and have that instinct to get after the goal. And we, ha- we haven't got enough of those in the squad maybe maybe someone like Connor Chaplin's got a bit of that but does he have the physicality to get up and down that left flank like James Norwood did probably not but you know, but we don't know if it was just a horses of courses we don't no. know do we? we don't know Kieran McKenna's formations it may just be a horses of courses in this game next match you know in three or four months time whenever we play next it will be a, a completely different formation against that that particular um, opposition 
Indeed, yeah, that next game is Gillingham away now, isn't it? So as long as we stay clear of COVID and the Ipswich camp, that one will be on, won't it? But it should be because everyone should be out of their isolation periods at Gillingham. Yeah. But yeah. And, I'm, and we can definitely, definitely fully trust Paul Scally and Steve Evans. Absolutely. <laughs> Friends of the show. <laughs> super, super friends arguably our first coach manager with emphasis on improving our players rather than collecting them since George Burley he does put question marks so that isn't a comment who do we think will benefit most from this approach well I think I, when I was reading some of McKenna's comments yesterday and he basically said um, talking about the players coming out from the back there I was pleased with the three of them tonight. Obviously, Genoa is playing right centre-back, right back, and his role is a little bit different to George's on the other side. But yes, we want to build up attacks from the back better. We think that's going to help us control games, but also penetrate more. With the three boys that play tonight, with JD, with Wolfie, with George as well, they're all capable on the ball. We want to improve it. We have to make it better, but it's important for us as a team that we build from the back, that when teams come and press us, we can take the ball and play through that pressure and hopefully attack quickly the big spaces. So I think the answer is... For me, is not particularly hidden in that. It's Luke Wolfen, isn't it? A player. Yeah. You 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 can't play Toto Enciala in that role, can you? Because he no. he just is not capable on the ball of doing what Luke Wolfen did is on the ball. And yeah, Toto Enciala is probably a better defender. But I thought Luke Wolfen up against Hamden last night. It was a tough competitor. It gave him a real tough game. I thought physically he was excellent against him. So yeah, for me, that's the, they're the players that are going to benefit the most. Junoy Danasian and Luke Wolfen probably in that and. So without in the rest of the team, it's hard to know exactly what the attacking roles are because mm. of sort of what Craig said about is this how we're going to play? Is this going to be horse of courses? I'd I'd like to think Kyle Edwards is the player that could do that. Maybe even Raheem Harper. These players that seem to have sort of high ceilings on their ability levels are they are they two that can sort of progress from it? But I think Luke Wolverton is it's up to him now. He's he's got the opportunity to make a big sort of big step up here and if he can take it the sort of not the sky's the limit for him but he was it wasn't that long ago he's been linked with sort of Sheffield United was it when they're in the Premier League and things like that and with with these teams playing free at the back if he can carry on defending as he has done the last couple of games and carry on playing the ball as he has done he's going to be getting a lot of suitors I just wonder um I, I completely agree about Wolf and he's the one that I I wrote down here and also Harper in that you know Morsey for as well as he did yesterday, he still didn't look like a natural fit for him, did he? You know what I mean? In terms of once when he's he got carrying within, the ball, yeah, yeah, not to, when he got to within forty yards, the opposition go. He made the break with it, but then what do I do with it now? He obviously had a couple of chances to shoot when he took one of them, but he had a, probably a couple more chances. The chance at the end where he played in Chapman may have, may have wanted to play in Piggott. He may he may be able to be coached to become that better player, or. He does the deeper role and allows someone like Harper to come in and do that more marauding, marauding role. Absolutely, Alex Hare asked, "What did you think of his post-match interview in terms?" So this is Kieran McKenna in terms of the work they did to get Bond one v one and how that translated on the pitch. Yeah, um, so I've listened back to it and just just generally, I just, I just think it's nice to have a manager come out and actually talk to you as though 
you understand that like, I like to think as a podcast, I think we have a good understanding of football. We we sort of talk about the game well generally and people comment on that to us when they give us the feedback on the pod that and and fans want that level of detail now. And we're not saying we want to see their exact plans, but we've heard sort of about coming out from the back. We've seen that the formation was slightly asymmetric, really, with regards to Danashian being covering more for Burns to push on and Penny dropping in so that Norwood would go there. And like you were saying about Bond just playing with his back to goal and Sort of getting there, and it seemed to work, wasn't it? Getting him up against that last defender, and that, that is where the goal came from, wasn't it, at the end of the day? And it's also the bit we stand about, I think you said after about 25 minutes, they changed their formation slightly and matched us and pushed us up. So we played over there, over mm. their press. You know, we played slightly longer and put it into the gaps behind. But again, that's something that you probably noticed as you were seeing it, but you've actually got your manager telling you that this is what we did and this is why we did it. You know, it's just completely different to what we're, what we're used to. Mm. He, just, he just seems a... You know, crikey, again, we're, we're one one game into a, you know, five-year um, success period. But um, he just seems like a, a, a driven individual. A calm, but driven, confident, not overly emotional. Self-assured. Yeah, kind of guy. He just, yeah, seems to be you know, pretty happy with, with where he's at. But we shall see. We shall see. We You know, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the nose, isn't it? That's the uh, phrase. I, th- I think... So, some people said after Kieran McKenna's sort of first interviews at the club, I think generally people were impressed, but some people said, oh, I can't really see how he's going to motivate the players. And obviously he didn't have much of a career himself as a player. But do you think modern footballers will will take to him more because of he'll explain the tactical side of the game and, and hopefully get the best out of them in that respect? Well, we are, we are in League One now, aren't we? So it's it's not like you're coming into a top championship squad with players that have had a much better career than he has. If you think he was a hot young thing at Tottenham who was in first-team squads who retired through injury, so it's not like he's just come as a shoe salesman that's done his coaching badges and come through and he's worked He's worked in the game all that time, worked with good players all that time there. So I, I don't think we're... With the position the club's in, I don't think there's that huge worry about the players not respecting his abilities there because... Ultimately, he's he's probably earning more money as a coach at Man United than any of the players in the squad is, which they're the sort of things that matter, aren't they? So hmm. I, don't, I, I don't think there's an issue with that, but we'll, we'll see in time. If if we start struggling, I'm sure that thing will be thrown at him. But I, I, the, one of the things I found interesting was every time a sub came off, he was sort of had his arm around him, chatting him through and showing him things. At halftime, you could see him talking to the players after the game with sort of both Norwood and Luke Wolfenden as well, sort of pointing things out and actually having sort of proper conversations with them, it seemed. But what we, you know, at the end of the day, the proof will be in the pudding, won't it? You know, mm. they'll follow him if the results um, follow the the tactics and and the detail they're going to in training. But we can only we're only looking from the outside in. We know we don't have any visibility of what happened beforehand, or what happened afterhand, or what's happening now. But you just get the feeling that things are possibly a bit more detail driven and you know more specific, um, tailored tactics and training and things like that. And that you know the players can only benefit and and buy into it. As, as Joe said, you know, these the, the modern footballers nowadays, people like Harper, people like Edwards, you know, that that's and you know, maybe Wolfenden now, they're the sort of thing that they want to, you know, these modern young footballers, they're the sort of details that they need to or used to used to getting. 
Mm. Especially those that have come through the big sort of peak yeah. Premier League academies, the Cat One Academies playing under twenty threes football. They're sort of coached within an inch of their life almost in those places. But and it's all there's a lot of analysis and not a te- technical and I know we're sort of looking at different sports here, but when you talk about like the NFL, for example, the players in that league, they, they have meetings sort of like eight, ten hours a day going mm-hmm. going through things and and football will, football will go there eventually. I'm not saying it's going to be as detailed there, but it's it's not just turn up and kick it around and yeah, play like this. It's, it's 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 as as you search for more and more detail, times you'll go too far. But that, that's that's where we're going to be. And when you look at the sort of the coaching setup that's been brought in, you look at the fitness setup that's been brought in around that. That's that's the that's where this club is going, and everyone's going to need to get on board. And we're going to have to hope it works. Fingers crossed. Slight change of pace here from Mullet. The pub was heaving. The coups lively. The coups in lively, and the churchman's was like Galatasaray's cauldron by the end. I think. Yeah, I, I think I saw a couple of people stand up. Is the biggest <laughs> takeaway from last night that the potential here is massive? That we are a club that can do better if the Americans can make the right moves. Yeah, yeah, I think it can be. You know, you, you, we're getting. 26,000 people to come and watch a game against Wickham Wanderers, aren't we? And we're getting a similar amount to come and watch a game against Lincoln Lincoln City eventually in in, in the third division. You know, this isn't... We've said, you know, we're not probably not the biggest club. We look at Sunderland and they're getting these crowds every week regardless. But, you know, you can tap into this um, potential. You know, the, the club shop's full. The fan zone was packed yesterday before the game. You know, the the infrastructure is is there to... Yeah, have just need to it just needs to be portrayed on the pitch because you know as quickly as it's arrived, it will it will quick it will quickly go again if if things you know don't improve on on the pitch. You know we we are still riding that crest of a goodwill wave, aren't we? From from the you know, beginning of the year, first quarter of the year onwards, really unbelievably given the given results. So you know, people as we know, pe- people are willing to give people the fans are probably more willing to give people time behind the scenes than. The, than the owners, but no, man, it's absolutely right. There is, you know, if you're if you're getting the churchman's starting chance, then thing, things are looking up. If if you build it, they will come. <laughs> yeah, but but no, this is this is why Game Changer bought Ipswich Town as opposed to a, a whole slew of League One clubs that were available because you just can't create a fan base like we've got. It just it's we've got this fan base because of our history, because of the success we've had in the sort of 60s and 70s and 80s it's sort of standing on the shoulders of giants almost when you look at uh for example a team like Bournemouth if they had a 30,000 seat stadium they just would never they would never sell it out and they've, they've spent no. best part of 10 years in the Premier League they you just cannot build a fan base like we've got and there's other teams of similar sizes when you look at Norwich up the road you sort of Leicester's Derby's Nottingham Forest these teams are teams that have the potential to sell out 30,000 seaters regularly and we're, we're one of them. And I think the fans of Ipswich have talked down the club for a long time. And when, when you look at where we are sort of geographically, we're only an hour from London at the end of the day. It's, it's, it's not far. And when you see the Americans come over with sort of fresh eyes looking at it, you look at, you look at um, Mark Ashton, for example. He's been at Bristol City working for Stephen Lansdowne, one of the richest men in the country. And he's walked out on that to come here because Ipswich has got more potential than Bristol City. And Bristol uh, City's a, a team in a city of, what, six, 700,000 people, nothing anywhere near it. But Ipswich is bigger than Bristol City and, and will be. And we just need to make sure we get it right on the pitch so that we can become a, a big team again like we were and 
you see, like I say, you see the away followings that turn up 250, 300, 600. It, it, we shouldn't be in this league. And if we were mm. performing just to 70% of the potential we've got as a club, we'd be well out of it. But unfortunately, we've been performing to about 10% of the potential we've got as a club for too long. And what was also noticeable yesterday is, and I, don't, and I don't know if it's just the area of the ground that I sit in, but there were a lot of kids there yesterday. Um, so, you know, well done to all the parents and grandparents that are still persuading these uh, kids that this is the this is the way to go rather than the, the Premier League. You know, it is a tough gig to, you know, only from bitter experience, it's a tough gig to sell um, to kids to come along and, and uh, watch a struggle. So, you know, there's people are doing their, you know, the fans are doing their bit as well in terms of buying into it all. Yeah, just a re- really small thing for me uh, on the way out of the, um, well, sort of on my way back to the car after the game um, at the traffic lights, some youngsters wound down the window and asked if we'd won, which is quite nice just hearing people that maybe aren't motivated enough to go to the game, but they still refer to the football club as we. I, like Joe said, I think Ipswich has been talked down. The club has been talked down a lot over the last few years and, and you can understand why. But it's good that they are sort of reconnecting with the community and people feel a part of it. And and just to sort of finish, while we're quite high on the potential and things like that, just a, another positive from me. I managed to get a pint at half time yesterday and it was pre-poured. Wow. So, yeah, it was as quick as that. It took a, a minute, the transaction, from getting down there and getting it. Well, they have said yeah. that they have been doing walk rounds at half time and things like that to see where things are going wrong and it and it shouldn't be difficult to get pints pre poured at half time. You're not these aren't camera it's not a camera meeting where people need to check what the cask is like. People just want to go down and get a pint within a couple of minutes of walking down there. And yeah. if they spend the whole first half pouring pints and you've got one that's been poured in minute one and it's a bit warm, does mm. anyone actually give a toss? You just want a beer and you just want to chuck it down your neck and get back up there, really, don't you? <laughs> And, and what is nice as well, actually, is even in in the fan zone, there's another bar. Obviously, got the big marquee. There's another bar now outside the marquee where they serve beer, and also it, where they split the the astroturf at the back of. Um, they'll call it the West Stand, not Pioneer. It's called the West Stand, isn't it? The Magnus West Stand, isn't it? The Magnus West Stand. That's it. Um, there's a, there's actually a bar on that past of astroturf that's just in, outside the at the back of the stand there. So you know they are adding more facilities to enable to to buy bits and pieces that you know mm. we want you're not just relying on the concourse bars um yeah i've heard you can even get a decent coffee in the fan zone which like decent coffee in a football stadium is unheard of isn't it yeah not that you'd be drinking that mark would you jay i don't i don't like coffee no, no. you love beer <laughs> and orange squash yeah he drinks yeah orange squash when he's testing positive um, one one last question from Chris Rand. I think he's a little bit harsh here, but I can get where he's coming from. Will certain deep lying players, in brackets, Wolfie, the Fridge, and Morsey, all have to stay behind in training until they learn what to do when they find themselves heading towards their opponent's penalty area with the ball? They all kept having a go, and the, t- the results at times were a little bit comical. I think, yeah, there was a few times where they strided forward, and there was a few cries of shoot, but. Not sure with those. Yeah, three I, I don't think there was a lot it. of movement ahead of them. And Wick, and like I say, you got to remember Wickham a very well organised team. That there wasn't the easy balls to play there. So, but yeah, ho- hopefully that's what that's what comes with it. In in time, you you get those sort of patterns of play. You get those movements in place so that when those players do stride up the pitch and we have broken the lines, that we can actually do something with it as opposed to just 
sort of slow down and end up. But I think the goal came from, that was Wolfie breaking for the goal, wasn't it? That ended up giving it to Burns out for the throw in and then quick throw in from there. So that's where things are going to come from. But it is, it is going to take time to to settle. And we've got a nice we've got a nice run of fixtures coming up when you look at the next well on paper it was the next eight games but now the next seven games I know you've got Sheffield Wednesday there but you've got Gillingham twice you've got Lincoln you've got um I think MK is in there as well Wimbledon so you've, you've got some teams that you, you could put a decent run together over the next few games I, I think it's probably too late for the playoffs this year because I think you're going to need to have such a good run over the the season but you look at the next seven if we could string four or five wins together in those seven games and get ourselves in a decent position for the latter part of the season confidence rising a few goals scored then who, who knows where we could end up i think i think as well as i said earlier about these guys breaking forward it's it hasn't really been overly natural and they haven't been permitted to do it so it's i suppose it's a case of how quickly and and well they can be coached into into doing it, how natural it is to, to some of them to do um, i say it didn't look particularly natural for morsey to do it but i uh, can he be coached and if not, can Harper? You know, he's got he's got one one professional goal in his career, Raheem Harper. So you know, he's got goal scoring midfield written all over him. Um, John Nolan, who knows? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Indeed. So the other results, lots of PP draws. Um, <laughs> crew lifted themselves off the bottom with a, a two-one win at uh, Morecambe. Up the Crew. Uh, Oxford just so consistent, aren't they? Three-nil win over AFC Wimbledon at home. And um, game of the night was Shrewsbury nil, Accrington nil. Uh, so the table now from the top, yeah, Rotherham, despite losing their last game at the top with 47 points, averaging just over two points a game. Sunderland uh, in Can go second. Top tonight, can't they? Yeah, 46 points after 23 games at the time of recording. Then it's Wigan, Plymouth, despite their game being called off. Then it's Oxford. On 42 points, same as Wickham, 42 points. So that's 10 points ahead of us. And the traffic between us and those places are, yeah, it's Accrington, Portsmouth, who are in decent form. Sheffield Wednesday are also in decent form. And then Milton Keynes. Um, yeah, well, we've, we've got Accrington and Sheffield Wednesday to play in January, haven't we? So, you know, they are starting to become... Must wins, I suppose. It would. Aren't they? It just would be. I know. I always say this, but it would be nice to go to a few games in the spring and them actually mean something <clears> for the first time in a few years. Um, but yeah, thanks for that, guys. And um, is there any final words from you? Any words of wisdom ahead of New Year? No, no anything to plug. Any any good up. Christmas presents? Any good books? Oh, actually, yeah, I've, I'm I'm into I'm into Paul Mariner's water broker. He's just just got his transfer to um, to Ipswich Town from Plymouth. He decided to join Ipswich rather than West Ham, so that's where I'm up oh, to okay. in that. Particular I'm a little bit ahead of you. Just spoiler well, alert: we've just won the FA Cup. Oh, for Christ's sake! <laughs> <laughs> well, what a bombshell to finish on. So, yeah, just just finally from us, thank you to everyone who's watched, listened, liked. Yeah, please like this video and make sure you're subscribed. And also those of you that have made really generous donations. There's been quite a few over the festive period, which are much appreciated. Um, so, yeah, all there is left to do is say Happy New Year up the town and goodbye.
It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.